Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. We're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy. Alongside with me is Corey Mitchell. We're super excited for another awesome episode ahead of us. Today, we have Brad Israel on the podcast. Uh, super excited to, to be able to delve in. And it's a little bit of a different uh, take. So we've been talking a lot of senior living sales and marketing uh, we're t- going to take a step out of the industry and talk all things leadership development. And so he is the president at Warrior 360, a TEDx speaker, uh, which if you haven't had the pleasure of listening to this talk, um, definitely recommend. We'll put the, the show notes and uh, put the link in the, the show notes. But uh, some of that we are going to cover today and uh, Brad is also uh, an, an army vet that served in Afghanistan and eventually became a Green Beret. And amongst all those things, he still lacked the judgment to come on to the Senior Living Sales and Marketing Podcast. Uh, so we're fortunate and we're thankful to have you on, Brad. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah, no, thank y'all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Man. I just want to start off by saying thank you for your service you know, from all of us. Absolutely. And uh, Glenn, so Glenn Barclay introduced you to us. So uh, just curious, how do you know Glenn? And, and tell me, tell us that story. Yeah, so Glenn is a fantastic human being. And I got the, I guess it was probably about 2014, late 2014, early 2015. Um, got the pleasure of meeting Glenn through uh, one of his business partners, um, Andy Yarbrough. And Andy and I went to school together at Hampton Sydney College in Virginia, and we bumped into one another at a barbecue joint in Mobile when I'd gotten out of the service, and uh, and we kind of reconnected, and then um, and then got got the chance to do some work with those guys on the business front. And so Glenn was just just one of those people you knew immediately that you wanted him in your life. He's just a very genuine, sincere authentic type of leader and somebody that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Yeah, we were talking about it offline, but he's, he's, he definitely has a gravitating personality and he's a connector too. I think that he does a good job of just wanting to serve the industry and has a great heart. So uh, big kudos and big shout out to to Glenn. Thank you for the introduction. But uh, you know, as we kind of touched on, we're going to be talking a lot of things about leadership development, something that, uh, Brad, you are super passionate about. And so um, if you don't mind kind of sharing maybe some of your experience, um, you know, when you were serving in the military, I love the story of just how that abundance and the compassion really united your team um, and galvanized you guys. But I would love to hear your background on uh, your experience in Afghanistan and how that leadership uh, kind of how that came to be? How, why, why were you so passionate about just leadership in general? The, uh, the journey for me, I've always been involved in something from team sports to extracurriculars to, to whatever it is in school. And, and when 9-11 happened, I was a sophomore in college. And so that was that moment of true reflection, a defining moment in my life where I decided that I wanted to, to go out and, and, and 
fight alongside other incredible patriots uh, for our country and and really see uh, see the opportunities to to lead inside the military. So I interviewed a bunch of folks, um, similar to what y'all do on a podcast. I interviewed a bunch of alumni from Hampton Sydney that had gone into the service that I knew I could connect with and and just started asking them a bunch of questions to see how they formulated their decision making and and what the experiences had been. And um, and so when you fast forward to Afghanistan or to the different units that I was privileged enough to lead, it was really around, um, that you always wanted to, 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 to understand what that team was about or where they're, where they were winning, where they were struggling. Uh, I'd say a, being a relational leader has been probably one of my, my styles over time. I like to come in and kind of assess and then really define, uh, the direction that we're trying to go and, and, and then get people to buy into that. Um, it's really buy with and through them, just like it goes on to be, by, with, and through whatever indigenous forces or populations we're working with overseas. But it's got to start on the core first. And, and so that's where we would always look to initiate our, our relationship building, our expectations, the vision of that platoon or that team or that company or whatever size element we were responsible for. And then, and then making sure that we, we were listening and we were seeking feedback and, and just kind of built it from there. So, I mean, it was, I, I've had so many people that have poured into me over the years and you take, um, you certainly, you certainly take all the good that that is. And then you also learn from the bad. You learn from your own mistakes, uh, sometimes choices that you made that didn't lead to favorable outcomes and uh, and you learn from those that that you possibly work with or work for, and you see, hey, that's not how I want to lead when I have the opportunity if I'm in that individual seat one day. And so um, you can take all of that and just continue to grow. And I think that's the whole purpose behind Warrior 360 is that growth mindset. It's about being able to meet people where they are. It's being present. It's having good enough self awareness to to recognize um, where where you are and that impact that you are having, be it good or bad. And how that affects performance. It affects your performance. It affects your team's performance. And if you don't stop and take those moments of reflection to pause and realize that, then you kind of are just, you know, bouncing through life like a wrecking ball sometimes or can go achieve financial success. However, there's a big difference in my book on, on folks that achieve that than folks that are true leaders. And, and I think we've seen, we've seen the, uh, the ones that maybe can go uh, tackle the dollar extraordinarily well, but they they leave irreparable damage on all the people that either work with them or, or relationships or business transactions is what they become. They're not relationships. And so I just, you know, I'm, I'm fierce and uh, and certainly um, committed to, to wanting to work with people that are looking for those types of outcomes and the people that they can pour into along the way and make better because they walked into their life. And um, like I said, thankfully people didn't give up on me. And so that gave me the chance to, to get to pay it forward too. Man, that's amazing, Brad. I'm curious, just as you're talking, just thinking if you feel like you were always a leader, even from a, a young kid, um, if you were always interested in, in, in important leaders, and if you have somebody that, um, that you look up to, that you really strive to be, or also like, as I'm expanding on it, it's just, are, do you think people are born natural leaders? Like, do you feel like you were born to be a natural leader or is this something that is a skill that you just developed over time? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always one that that's believed that it's, 
that, that we're made because we're shaped by our environment, by our beliefs. I mean, the three of us, we came into the world the same way and our beliefs are what shaped us to become the men that we are now. Uh, I do believe that some of us have advantages. There's no doubt about it um, with, with what some of our um, that upbringing allowed us to, if we didn't have to knock down a bunch of barriers and doors were open for us. And, and I will be the first to raise my hand and say that I grew up in a loving, nurturing, privileged household. So I was, I was certainly not on the same start line as many others, um, which is again, why I wanted to be able to go and, and go full circle with, um, with getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your bubble and, and going out and just meeting people from all walks of life all different cultures, ethnicities, backgrounds, because at the core of it, we're, we're, we have so much more in common than we have different. And, and I love being able to find that and then establish that common trust and credibility by continuing to show up and, and to live by action, especially with those that are counting on you. And, uh, and the, I think the first question you asked, I mean, outside of my parents who are still uh, certainly incredible mentors for me, um, General Sam Wilson was up at Hampton Sydney College. He was the president emeritus of the of the college, and then he stayed on to teach three courses. Uh, leadership and ethics was the most profound course I ever took in college, and he also taught a U.S. intelligence course and a U.S. foreign policy course. And he was well overqualified because he had been a, a spy in the Soviet Union back in his day. He had been a deputy to the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, which was George H.W. Bush at that time. He had been director of the Defense Intelligence Agency and was just one of these, we we're so fortunate to have a noble giant like that on a, a small academic campus in the middle of nowhere, South Side, Virginia. And, and he was from Rice. And so that's why he chose to retire and move back there and get involved with the school. And, um, and so he passed away um, a few years ago and his, his messages, though, and his legacy, he, he impacted so many young men that, that went to school there. Hampton Sydney is an all-male school, so, um, so that's why I say young men, because that's, that was his forte. He was just, uh, his stories would just inspire any of us to look inward and, and want to go become more, because he lived in his lifetime, probably the equivalent of most people, what would take 12 lifetimes to live. So he was a big one. And then I've got virtual mentors now. I've got some mentors in the business space, um, but from a leadership lens, he jumps out as, as probably the most dominating uh, person and in, in, in figure for me. How do you go about starting to evaluate how, how to get mentors? Because I think, I think, I personally believe that becoming the best leader possible, a prerequisite to that is finding outside leaders that you aspire towards. Cause there's like the saying that it's, it's, it's definitely not a new thing, but you are who you become, uh, who you hang out with. I think there's a lot to say about um, just your day to day and who you are hanging out with is going to be that foreshadowing of who you're going to become. So walk to the, the, the young, talk to, talk to the young leader out there or the, the older aspiring leader that it's not too late to, to find a good mentor. What's that, that, what's that good process of finding the right mentor in your life? Yeah. And I, and I would say it's never too late, right? I mean, if we're still standing tall and, 
and, and breathing air, then we can continue to, to learn and evolve. And that's what I loved about General Sam. I mean, before he passed away, his body had completely failed him. He had gotten malaria in the jungles of Burma as one of Merrill's marauders, which, mm. you know, an incredible story. If you've ever, uh, if you study history and if you haven't read about uh, the Merrill's marauders, the 5207th composite unit, which was basically sent on a suicide mission behind Japanese lines. And uh, he was one of the few that made it out. But he told me when he was dying that his mind was still sharp as attack, even though his body had completely failed him because he just had this thirst for more knowledge. He wanted to, he said he learned more from our generation than he did from his own, because mm. again, I mean, you know, think about he was fighting in World War II and now he's got uh, TV screens that are his laptop monitors that look like a war room so he could read when his eyes got so bad. But so yeah, it never, the, that journey never ends. And I think when you're out, my advice on that would be you find people that speak to you and that you really, you, you feel, different you have you just you feel better when you're around them and and for me if it's something I'm reading if it's something I, that I'm listening to or if it's somebody that I know personally that's that's what does it for me and so for example um somebody that that I certainly enjoy is Darren Hardy yeah I've never met him he is the founder of Success Magazine and he's got a bunch of different courses I've taken some of his digital courses before so I would put him in that in that level for me as like a virtual mentor that I don't know. Um, people in your community that you just, you really love and admire how they live their life or have lived their life if they're in the fourth quarter and they're retired, um, then you just, you, you want to be able to lean in and ask all the questions and see how you can reflect and weave that into your story and, and your action. And, um, and I think that that is exactly what you said. I mean, we're a sum of the, the core five we spend the most time with. And so you want to be around people that are challenging you, um, calling you out sometimes when you need it, and, and hopefully, you know, balancing that fierce and kind level of tough love that we all need to, to get that understanding of where we're trying to go and when people are pulling us out of that. We've all been around. I mean, you know, I can think back to just people from more of a social setting that I always enjoy but the older we get, I realize how wildly different our paths may be. And so because of that, I've got to make a choice. Do I want to continue to do this, which could be in conflict with my goals and the direction I want to go? Or do I want to run my race over here where I know this is where I'm going to find ultimate fulfillment, satisfaction in, an, in, in that straight and narrow with, with who I want to continue to, to be? So um, I don't know if I have a, you know, a very precise answer, except I think that you can you can approach every day with a very open mind. And if you're not getting what you're looking for, then you need to change your environment or you need to change who you're hanging out with or the people that you're allowing to impact your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, et cetera, and, and, and go try something different so that you can see where, where that is with, with helping you with such. Yeah. I've had, I've been blessed to have a, a a lot of good leaders. Um, I played sports as well. So I played football in college and had a head coach there that was a, um, I would say a relationship style leader. He was a player's coach, as they would say. And he did such a good job of getting you to believe in yourself. And I think that's something that leadership, like it, it's getting people to believe that they're capable of doing something more than they believe they are. Um, I've had different types of leaders to where, you know, you've had the authoritative leader and both can be successful, but in different ways and like a more of a 
um, for lack of a better term, excuse me, militant type of leader versus relationship type of leader. And I've had both and been successful with both, but I've always had a, um, and I think this is true for most people, like a knack towards the relationship style leader. And it's, it's pushed me to want to be that way too. And I can see that in you when you're talking about General Sam and everything that he's done and, and how that's kind of persuaded you. Um, I'm curious as far as Warrior 360, like what, what is the goal of you guys? Is it teaching leadership to different corporate industries? Can you kind of walk us through that, how that works? Yeah, sure. So, so Warrior 360, um, a good friend of mine, Nathan Cox, and I founded this together. And this was when I was full-time employed at, the, at a parent company called 68 Ventures. And since then, uh, they've remained one of my largest clients, but I've rolled out of under the umbrella of 68 Ventures, where Warrior 360 is my sole focus. When we first came up with the idea, because we were doing this internal with the 16 companies that were under 68 Ventures' umbrella, it was all about each one of us and the choices that we make on a daily basis and that compound effect that it has in our lives. And so the warrior was not because he and I were both in the military. The warrior was because we've got a, we've, everybody's fighting with something and you've got a struggle that you're dealing with and, um, and being able to, to, to wake up and to, when you, when you hit the ground, you're going to, you're going to find excellence in all that you do or that you strive for. And you're not going to subscribe to the victim card the judger kind of blame, complain, defensiveness mindset. It's having the presence to recognize that we all can get pulled that direction. I, I will raise my hand and say, and it can happen, it can happen daily. However, what are my actions going to be that, that allow me to snap out of that and feed the good wolf versus the bad wolf, which will bring me into that, into that, the shallows and into the mud and start trying to say it's all because of this or all because this person did this to me and blah, 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 blah. And the more you start to recognize when you do that, the more you can bounce back and say, okay, this is the direction I want to go. And so that for us was the whole reason we went with a warrior, you know, a warrior, a champion type of mindset. And then the 360 is because the journey never ends. It's a full spectrum that when you get feedback, when you give feedback, how you do it, how you learn from it, how you engage others in the process. And so again, until, until we are no longer here, there is, we've never fully arrived. We can always continue to improve and we can hopefully impart some of that on others and impact others along the way because of it. And, and I agree with you. I've had some wonderful coaches along the way in football. And now I get the blessing of, uh, I've got three boys and my oldest, I'm, I'm coaching their football team. They'll be fifth graders next year. And I've told those kids for, for me, success is not if we go win all the games at that age. For me, success is, do they love it? Have they, have they learned more than just about football? Do they understand what it means to be a part of a team? And are they all coming back next year and recruiting more kids in their grade to come out too? And so we're only on year two. So, you know, stay tuned and maybe we can dissect that in a future, uh, a future season. But, but, uh, but those kids are, I, I love, I love that. And I, I, I know that you've had impactful people that have done that for you. And, um, and, and it's really, really a, a great place to be. I love working with athletes. I love working with, with companies. Um, and for, for us, it's really in a few different buckets. You've got your, your training and organizational development, which is what we were kind of talking about. So coming in and understand the needs of a company and where they are, do they have anything like this? Or is it really from scratch? If they do, what could we bolt on that would be in complement of what they've got, what they're working with? Um, we use self-awareness tools such as insights. We do use 360s. We use values assessments. 
And so that's one bucket. Another bucket is the one-to-one -one coaching, and that could be with CEOs or that could be with future aspiring leaders that the company's investing in because they see them as the future of the organization. And I love that because, again, it goes back to you get to build phenomenal relationships and people are raw and real with you and they tell you where their struggles are and you get to engage in the questions and, and just and I learn as much as I could ever offer. Um, and I, I really enjoy that that side of it. And then um, and then we have different assessments and tools that we can offer to the individuals or the company. So those three buckets and and doing more speaking has popped back up. So that's another thing kind of under there that I didn't really forecast much for this year, but it's um, really taken off as people are gathering again and conferences and off sites and, and all the rest of it. So um, I think that answers your question. I'd say that the last thing is our, our tagline for it is choices over circumstances, which I think feeds exactly what we're talking about. Yes, sir. Yes, it does. Um, I got to ask you before we get too deep into it, is it harder coaching uh, a fifth year old, uh, like a, a fifth grade football team or companies like corporate America? What's, what's the most difficult task there? I guess, I guess that depends on the day, right? Uh, sometimes <laughs> I'd say that it's, it's such a joy with, uh, with either. And then other days you're sitting there scratching your head like, golly, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, so uh, they, uh, either side, I'll tell you this. I've seen some companies where people that are in positions of influence um, that weren't maybe showing up as the best version of themselves for quite some time have have gone back to the just you know the um, the moments of vulnerability and and they've they've pulled all their armor off and they've uh, they've invited feedback they've been very accepting of that and now two and a half years later they are they are just doing extraordinarily well and people that were a flight risk on that team are now some of their closest allies. And so seeing those kind of things, it's like you're, it's, it's like a family member when you see them go and respond well to it and other people are better, you know, they're, they're better and they benefit because of it. And that's what's so cool is when you look at the second and third order effects of what those people in those positions are responsible for, I mean, it's tremendous. And it, it either lets people have a great day and mm -hmm. go be excellent in what they do and perform or it, they have a terrible day. And we all know that when you, when you're around people like that, you can't be nearly as productive when, when you're on tilt, because all you're doing is you're feeding these thoughts in your mind and you're not focused on what, what you're, what you're there to deliver value on. And so you almost can sell it to leaders or people in positions of leadership like that, because they're the ones that's the inadvertent wrecking ball. And they're worried about why is our company slipping on performance they they need to get the mirror out and often look at themselves and how they're how they're showing up and how they're communicating either with impact or, or not with impact yeah that's so good and then i it kind of ties in i think there's a lot of vulnerability that goes into being a good leader you have to be what you talked about very self-aware and self-awareness oftentimes exposes the good the bad the ugly so kind of share um, from your experience getting to work with a number of different companies and just working with different personalities from all over the spectrum. What's the risk of bad leadership within a company? I mean, it's everything. I mean, you, what, what's, the, what's the Gallup poll say that over 70% they don't leave their company, they leave their manager, they leave their leader. Mm -hmm. So when you stop and think about that, I mean, and I've got some organizations I work with, one that comes to mind that makes me smile because I, I really enjoy them. They're a, a quirky bunch. One of their values is no brilliant jerks. Like we don't care how smart you are. If you come in every day and self-justify your behavior because you're 
so awesome and nobody else really wants to work with you, then it's probably not going to last long here. Doesn't mean that you're a bad individual or a bad person, but probably not the best fit. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's, uh, it's tremendously uh, weighted in regards to a company's success or lack thereof. Um, and when companies get real with that, I think they see, you know, I mean, it, the treadmill continues to speed up. We're all busy. We've got a lot going on. The years start flying by and you sit there and wonder, how am I spending my time? And, and if you can be intentional about it and you can be a part of making the journey um, rewarding and fulfilling and bringing others along with you, then what a, what a great life you can look back on and say that you've lived versus just chasing whatever the next carrot is and not caring what you do to anybody along the way. Because most of the time, also, you know, you'll interview folks and when they're when they have self-justifying behavior and they get feedback and it's predominantly um, leaning towards you need to you need to change, uh, you need to understand how you're showing up. It's you, you could just ask one question. I mean, is that how they treat their family? They self-justify by doing this all for my family. And then they turn around and treat everybody like crap. And it's like, would you want somebody to treat your children like that when they're in the workplace one day? And, you know, of course not. So why are we doing it? And so I think that's the thing. And, and y'all don't get me wrong. I'm not, I mean, thankfully I've got the green beret background because I don't want it to ever come across that everything's sunshine and rainbows. I mean, you have to have difficult conversations with people, but you don't have to tear them apart in the process. You can separate the problem from the person and put it on the wall. And you and I can be sitting shoulder to shoulder talking about it. And if we're making commitments, I've got leader commitments, you've got individual commitments and I've got to honor mine and you have to honor yours. And if you can't, then there may not be that role on the team for you in the future. And I'm fine having those conversations too. I would just rather lean in and have ones that are coaching forward versus always just waiting for a problem to arise and then have to do it that way. You, you mentioned tough conversations. I was talking about this earlier. It's like, that's like one of the main things I think that leaders deal with is, or struggle with even is having tough conversations. Um, or at least it seems that way. Like it becomes very difficult. Like when you know you're going to have to have a tough conversation with somebody and put, like you said, put it up on the board and sit there and talk about it. From my experience, it seems like a lot of people in that are doing leadership the wrong way, they just are not having those conversations. And it doesn't mm -hmm. even necessarily mean that you have to be the boss or the leader to have those tough conversations, just peer to peer having tough conversations and, and working stuff out and you sweep it under the rug. And I see that more than I actually see the tough conversation and it handled the right way. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that. Um, but I'm curious, what like actual things do you start teaching people to become better leaders? I'm sure you're, you're dealing with a lot of, um, you know, executives and C-type people who consider themselves already leaders and pe probably people that are, you know, good, already good at leadership. What actual things are you teaching them, you know, companies or if it's one-on-one -on -one with an athlete or CEO, et cetera? Just, yeah, if you could just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, it, it does depend on where they are because I've got some that have had no, you know, leadership training besides in the moment on the job. I've been very good at what I do. So now I've been promoted into a position where I have others that report to me. And then you've had some that have been to um, been on to graduate school and have um, had, you know, a focus on leadership. For, for me, just so I can get an understanding of the person, um, 
I'll, I'll have a ton of questions, probably exhausting amount of questions that I'll ask them just so I can kind of get in the door to understand a little bit more about their, their background, their beliefs, their environments, their expectations on self, on others. What are their core values? Um, how are they, how do they show up from a, a standpoint of an introvert or extrovert, a thinker or a feeler? We use insights. Discovery is our tool that we use. Um, that I, that it's, there's a bunch out there. This one speaks to us the most because it's it just reads like a personal narrative on you. So it's real easy to follow. And then um, this is preferences uh, that you choose. And then because of your preferences or other people's perception of you, and then we'll take that and we will, um, we will, we will overlay it with a 360 assessment because now we're getting real feedback from, from real people uh, and see where the commonalities are, where the blind spots may be, and then start working on some of that. And I'll kind of put it back on them. What do you now knowing all that you know, what do you want to focus on? Had that conversation this morning with a leader up in Virginia. It's, hey, where do you want to be spending your time knowing, knowing what you've got? And he got really strong feedback on a 360, but he can he can be overly critical and he can overanalyze. And so we're going to focus on some of those and then start working on delegation because he's in a higher role in the company and he's going to have to depend on his, his deputies or his lieutenants to be able to go out and, and act in the absence of orders and know what they can and can't do. And, um, and he's got to be supportive and, and, you know, and making sure that he's, he's communicating out effectively with them. So um, so it, it, I know I didn't answer Corey directly, but I think it depends on where the individual is in the experience and the, um, you know, in the process and then just building it out off of that with, with where they want to go. Some it's been emotional intelligence. They're very good operators, but they don't have any, any real understanding of EQ. And so we've spent a lot of time on that balancing it so that it's not, inauthentic to who they are. It's just making them hyper aware of the tendencies that they can have so that those unconscious habits, when they surface, they have a trigger that's like, oh yeah, okay. And they've got people close in their circle that uh, care about them enough that when they witness it, they can be like, hey, Brad, you were being a jackass. You need to go back and own that, you know? And so um, so that's that's been really helpful too, because it kind of takes that tribe of accountability to, to help us stay straight and narrow with, with what we, what we want to say we're most proud of. Yeah, that's great. And I know accountability is such a huge factor into developing as, as you're, it kind of ties into the mentorship, right? So wanting to, wanting to find like a really good mentor to provide the accountability, to always be very honest. And I think you might've mentioned some of these tools, assessment tools in terms of, um, um, were, were those assessment tools just getting to know about their per specific personalities or are you talking about assessment tools of asking for like 360 feedback from other people just pouring into them and saying hey these are some of your sh shortcomings these are some of the things that you're doing great and is that something that you would recommend for anybody yeah I think it's a great starting point I mean I, I think if you've never taken one of those assessments and had anybody do a debrief with you then it's certainly worth it. I mean, to the point where my wife's taken it, my parents have taken it, my brother's company, That's awesome. my sister's a, a nurse and she's taken it and her husband. And so, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that, that is a great level set to start with. And then from there, the three sixties when appropriate, I believe are a good tool. I think understanding somebody's values because that's how they make decisions or what drives decisions. And you could also start to understand when their values may be in conflict. 
Um, and then I've got relationship-based questions too. Like, tell me about your background. Tell me about your upbringing. Tell me what you're willing to share about your family. Tell me places you've traveled to. Have you been out of the country before? Because all those, remember, I mean, I, I've, I've taken stuff from all the different places I've gotten to live. And, I, you know, I'm on the Gulf Coast now and what a great spot to raise a family. But um, I can't imagine if this is all that I knew. You know, so getting getting to to be shaped by living overseas or traveling or studying abroad or whatever whatever it was in my life has has really helped me. And I want to know that about others. I want to know their 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 successes. I want to know their failures. They're willing to share with me, and and that's what I mean. It's like just don't leave the the you know the armadillo shell on. Let's let's get in there and let's let's really have some some deep meaningful conversations so we can build the relationship because every single one of those is the relationship and we got to look at it that way. Yeah. I love what you said. So in the, in the YouTube video, um, you talked a little bit about leading people that are, that didn't walk the same path that we didn't come from the same place that we came from, didn't have the same upbringing and what it's like to be a leader to people that maybe, um, didn't have all of the things that you had growing up. So it's hard to like put yourself into their shoes and and lead them. And I think that translates to senior living because we have people from all walks of life. You know, we have caregivers who are from other countries that come over and we're, you know, we have executive directors that are trying to lead them that are from a completely different scenario from a life upbringing. And there's like a communication, you know, there's all of these different dynamics and backgrounds and so I think it translates to senior living in that sense, because you said it's it's more it's we're all innate the same, and so you have to find those ways to communicate with with people in a certain way. And um, so I'm curious, like, how do you do that? How do you communicate? And is it through action only, like leadership through through action, like you mentioned? Like, what is your what is your um, just what do you have to say about that? I guess I didn't really have a question, but just. Kind of yeah, I mean, it, when I think about um, time and service, and then also what you said, when you think about just people coming from all different <clears throat> experiences and, and potentially cultures, even in senior living, I mean, for for the for the folks that are on that team, especially the ones that are in a leadership position, I mean, it begins with a genuine interest in others. It's not about your agenda, but it's about meeting them where they are and then in, inviting them along this journey. And so you, the only way you can do that outside of just strictly compliance driven, you know, command and control style of leadership is by, by seeing, seeing what, uh, you know, what, what interests them, where they see themselves going and um, what's been the best experience they've had in their professional journey. What have been some of the worst? What are their watchouts? What, what are their, what gives them pause about this role? All those things that you just, you know, you get involved with shoulder to shoulder to understand the person, I believe is how you start bridging the gap with not with wanting to lead with action. But when somebody hits the ground, I mean, they either, you know, everything they're taking in like a sponge, they either become a, a raving fan of that culture, of that leader, of that organization, or they're a skeptic. And they're kind of on the periphery, just watching out, being an observer, potentially being a judger. Um, tattooing previous experiences to current experiences. So looking for commonality, um, all those things. And so if I've got that moment, just like a young private that's impressionable and you bring him into a platoon and you pour into him, you teach him what right looks like, you 
communicate out what our expectations are. You show him a roadmap to become a non-commissioned officer as hopefully a successful sergeant one day. Then you just, you continue to water and, and make sure you're nurturing and, and giving them good feedback, but, but getting out of their way so they can go be successful or not. And if they continue to not be able to be successful, then you may have to coach them into a different seat or potentially into a career change for somebody in the private sector or whatever, but people have got to find their dance floor. You know, I mean, we can't say that you could just go, we all know what makes us happy and, and what, what drives us to, to be able to get out of bed and really find that engagement. And um, I've been a part, you know, later in my, in my life of more successful teams that I, you almost forget what it's like when you were a part of a dysfunctional team mm -hmm. and how miserable that was, you know what I mean? And just how it sucked every bit of joy out of your life. And so it's way too short to, to stay in that position. And sometimes we're responsible for it. Sometimes it's our environment and we've got to raise our hand and have enough courage to say, I've got to walk out and go find where I can add the most value because this is pulling me into, you know, into a bad direction and I'm feeding this versus, versus, you know, going and finding where I need to be. Yeah. And, and, and more of self-awareness, all of this is, mm -hmm. is steering back to trying to be very self-aware of, of what platform, like how, how do you best operate and how can you best serve? Cause we were just talking, we were talking with another leader and it sometimes, sometimes you find yourself in a position where the, the best leadership decision that you possibly can make is taking a step back from that leadership position because you know that you're the person that might be holding back that team. And that can be a humbling, humbling fact or a humbling time, but it's also just super important to, uh, to have that self-awareness. Or if you feel like you, you have the ability to, to be that leader, but you know that you're not being what you need to be during that period of time, you're bringing in whether your emotions into it, or you're bringing in other just situational things that are affecting you and your team's capabilities of, of effectively uh, moving the needle. I think it's just, again, super important to be, to be self-aware. And I know that we are, uh, we're kind of coming up on our, our time, Brad. So I, I really appreciate your, uh, just your time and your wisdom. And uh, I guess just a, a closing question. So, for for all the people that are listening to this and, and, and act like you are speaking in front of just a bunch of sales and marketing directors, whether they're VPs, regionals, or just in the community on the ground running, you know, what, what, what type of piece of advice would you give uh, to our listeners that would want to have some actionable step into uh, their next journey or their next phase of wanting to become the best leader possible for either themselves or for the community? Yeah, I mean, I think the probably the biggest thing is just you've got to commit to some kind of action. And if that's um, diving in first on the self-awareness piece or if that's going and seeking feedback and determining what it is that you want to improve upon. I mean, because the, the goal for all of us is we want to double down on our strengths. I mean, mm -hmm. if there's something that sucks the life out of me from a, a, a job standpoint, such as if I don't like doing the deep analysis and the, the logic that goes with finance, accounting, uh, et cetera, then, then I know that that's not where I'm going to be wanting to spend my time and it's not going to be where I can drive the most value. So I'd say for, for anybody, it's deciding where it is that you want to focus, how you can um, leverage your strengths, your God-given talents to an organization, to a community, to whatever it is that you're a part of, and then go out and get feedback. How am I doing? 
what would be one thing you'd you'd want to see differently from me or um, or engage others too if you're already leading them and you've never done it because it's awkward and uncomfortable and you've never had those conversations it's like exercise I mean same thing if you've never done it you show up and you you do a couple things and go through the motions and maybe you show back up the next day and you're sore and maybe you just put the put the lid on it because it made you uncomfortable and so that's that's where you've got to have that that courage you got to have that discipline and to your point you have to have that humility to be able to see that and then say okay I, I know I know where I am now and I know where I want to get to and it's it's a long road, but it's one step at a time. And you'll be amazed a year from now when you commit to those things, how far you've come. And and so I think that's the biggest thing is just a call to action would be would be find out what it is that you want to go after and then and then have a relentless obsession around that. I appreciate it, Brad. Thank you so much for the, the time. And um, if you don't mind uh, kind of providing some places where anybody that's listening can connect with you and then we can, we can close it out. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, probably best way is, is through the website, which is warrior360.co. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not a big social media uh, person. So uh, apologize. Um, You're but, not but, on the, the IG, the, the Twitter. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I feel like uh, I don't know where I'd find more time. I feel like the, the free time I have is usually chasing these Comanches around and, you know, taking them to ballparks <laughs> wherever we need to go. So, uh, but, uh, but anyway, but once, once they connect with me there or on the website, they'll, they'll have my contact information and, and happy to have a conversation. And um, yeah, I mean, and appreciate being on today and what you two are doing and, and I love it. And, uh, and I look forward to, to hearing some of y'all's other podcasts. Yeah, well, absolutely. Thank you for your time, Brad. I really appreciate it, Brad. Thank you, man. Thank you for spending the time. And uh, if anyone needs some one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm actually really considering some one-on-one -on -one coaching or if you're you know, a corporate executive in senior living and you want to do some training for your team, reach out to Brad. Um, man, I can tell it's some great stuff. So thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for being on the show. Take care. Thanks, guys.